This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Double Feature Movie Podcast. I'm Jonathan Roberts and I'm joined this week by the new papers, Chow Suan. Hello. Hello. Now, this week our main movie is Venom, the sort of Spider-Man spin-off that might start a Sony Marvel Universe, not to be confused with the Marvel Cinematic Universe where all your Captain Americas and Iron Mans are. So, please be warned, we're going in loaded for spoilers. Uh, but before we get into that, what about the plot? What is this film about? Well, cue the dramatic music. A cartoonish spacecraft crashes in East Malaysia, bringing with it four distinct types of sentient slime, one of which chooses an old woman as a host, and then takes six months to find an airport. Over in San Francisco, inept superstar reporter and all-round annoyance Eddie Brock tries to spring a surprise on the owner of the crash shuttle and so-so Elon Musk cipher, Carlton Drake. This loses Brock his job and his fiancée. While Brock appears to have stopped showering altogether, Drake has been experimenting with the sentient slime on humans. Brock then finds himself host to one batch, which starts a beautiful bromance between Wister and a parasite called Venom. But will a bigger, better parasite come between them? Let's find out. So, Suan, you've seen it once, I've seen it twice. What did you think of it? Honestly, it's an entertaining enough film to kill a couple of hours on a weekday night if you've got nothing else better to do. But is it a good film? Uh, not not really. I mean, it was basically a weird rom-com with some random action scenes thrown in. Well, aside from it taking too long to get going, there's a lot of ambling after a crash. Uh, it's kind of a cut-and-shut job. Uh, it's kind of like playing a game of film theatre styles in Whose Line Is It Anyway? You know, you just jump from genre to genre, uh, which kind of makes the film kind of a bargain. Uh, you get horror, you get a romantic comedy, a buddy movie, a CGI-packed actioner, all for the price of one ticket. It's just a shame that none of these are particularly great. Um, it really does look like they were going for a darker R-rated horror, and you get glimpses of that. But then they were told to tone it down, and according to Tom Hardy himself, there's about 40 minutes cut from this, uh, and it's his favourite 40 minutes, apparently. Maybe these 40 minutes could have made all the difference, huh? They could have done. It depends what's in them. Uh, so, so, Anne, what were your highlights? One of the scenes I actually really liked was one of the earlier scenes in the Malaysian village. I thought it was really nicely shot and coloured. It had an almost spirited away kind of vibe. It, you know, it felt like a market in some kind of alternate universe. While some of it, some people might deem it exotification of the East, I thought it added and primed the surrealness of the film and helped make it a bit less naturalistic, and if I'm being completely honest, a bit less bland. Wow, okay. Well, I can't think of any particular scenes that struck me, but I did like Michelle Williams. Uh, she plays Anne Weying, Eddie's fiancée, or soon-to-turn former fiancée. She appears to be suffering under her Lego hair. Can't tell if it's a wig or, you know, a kind of wig from reshoots like the Fantastic Four thing had to go through. But she does have a lot of the best lines and she delivers them really well, much better than the rest of the cast, really. But oddly, I thought the scenes between her and Hardy were like a completely different film. It was a rom-com. It had a naturalism that was really quite jarring. Oh, yeah, no, that, that stood out. That was, um, yeah, very clearly. They were kind of natural. Everything else is kind of cartoonish in a way. It was really strange. Yeah. So who else from the cast did you particularly like? I quite liked the new boyfriend of Anne's after Brock turns out to be completely unappealing. Dan, played by Reed Scott from Veep. He's for once not the token dirtbag love rival. It's really odd that the competitor of the movie's hero isn't revealed to be some kind of evil being you know, by the end of the film. In fact, 
by the end, you're pretty sure that the lead has no chance of getting back together with the girl, and for a pretty good reason, I think. Dan is really the typical, likable, dreamboat type guy, right? No, a surgeon, no less. But I mean, I feel like the, out of all the characters, Dan really did add a dimension of desirability and actual likability to, to the movie. I mean, wow. everyone thinks it's a shocker that it's not Tom Hardy, you know, the, the sexy journalist type. But honestly, a dirty-looking, subpar reporter doesn't float my boat. You like the clean-cut surgeon guy. And you don't want them to get to back together. Yeah, because Tom Hardy just looks yeah. dirty and kind of silly throughout all of it, I think. <laughs> so what else did you like about this? Ironically, I really liked the end of the film, specifically the mid credit scene with Red Cassidy, all right. where yeah. Carnage is being introduced. I thought that had a much more compelling storyline than the whole film put together. I mean, it was reminiscent of a almost Hannibal kind of properly dark and actually thrilling story that I feel like the film just completely failed to deliver. Well, I mean, it's only a couple of minutes, but it, it is, again, it's a totally different film. Tom Hardy does play it more assured. It seems more intriguing. It seems to be f- directed a bit better. Um, you actually like Brock here. Yeah, he seems okay here, which is, you know, if only he'd been like that throughout the rest of the film. And given the film's success already, it's broken box office records for October openings. A sequel does look likely. The positive is that if part two is as good as the end credit scene, uh, we might be in for a better film, and I'm kind of interested to see what that film turns out to be. I feel like that actually could be quite good, but let's be real, right? There's so much we didn't like about Venom. Let's let's get into that. Well, yeah, okay, so low lights. Um, it really can't keep its own story. There's a huge chunk missing from this uh, because, well, apart from things just happening without any real reason for them, uh, Eddie Brock goes from being infected to him and Venom being best buds and somehow this alien entity has a sassy personality with no explanation where that comes from. So this feels like the whole, you know, getting to know you, getting to know... Uh, that whole part for Venom and Eddie is possibly left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, like when Venom decides to go against right and save the Earth, he goes, it's because of you, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, why? The, Eddie isn't a good person. Eddie Brock has no redeeming moment. He's a, he's a waster. He abuses the trust of uh, his fiance, his boss, uh, the company doorman, a receptionist fella, who he just kind of like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's horrible. Yeah, he has no redeeming factors, and he has no redeeming moment. And somehow Venom just loves him. Do symbiotes, or is it symbiote? Symbiote, let's call the whole thing off. Uh, I mean, the film hedges its bets on the pronunciation. Do these feed off the host as they do for some examples? If so, how does that Malaysian anti survive six months hosting this symbiote riot? Um, Why does a symbiote leaving a host kill some people, not others? And if these creatures were found on a passing asteroid, which they made very clear at the start... Where does this plot about going back to the home planet to bring more symbiotes to Earth come from? I don't think they understood what a passing asteroid is. And, I mean, you are a journalist. Yeah, honestly, I felt the ineptitude of Eddie Brock's so-called superstar reporters. I mean, it's, it's just strange. Is he an online reporter? Apparently he has a cable show. There's no newsroom to speak of. You never see it. You know, and Dan mentions... Brock's so-called abilities, but there is no evidence. I mean, the film could have easily showed us a YouTube clip with, like, 
a couple million views maybe just yeah, make it more convincing yeah, they, right? they show this kind of montage of this guy who, I mean he's meant to be some kind of crusading journalist you know fighting for the underdog but then he's completely self-serving and selfish and there's other stuff that you don't even have to be a journalist to know I mean if you've taken vitally important pictures on your phone and you need to get them to your boss how would you do them would you do them by a email or b hand deliver the phone to the boss at night when he's not even in the office. Don't forget he destroys the skyscraper. Oh yeah, can he, he runs up the side of the skyscraper and, uh, as, as Venom, smashes through the window. He's left the phone on a desk with a basically an abusive note on it in a room that his boss won't even be able to get into now because the window is wide open. Email your boss, like that's what a smartphone is for. And also, wouldn't he need his phone later? Also, let's be real, right? Any reporter worth, worth their salt won't go up to a supposed murderer and just straight up go, oh, dude, heard you killed some people, and expect a response. Which is just ridiculous. Yeah, but my biggest question, right, is why is everyone so casual about murder? And it's not just murder, right? There is this slimy creature eating people in front of them. And why is this not all over social media? And also, why is no oh, yes. one freaking out? No, I mean, it's wide open in public. I mean, it's not just the onlookers as well. Um, it's Brock and Anne. And both of them, at various points, bite a man's head off. Not the same man, obviously. It's two you know, separate men. But they just kind of brush it off. And it's this weird thing of... It just comes across as a, oopsie, did that. Yeah. And given that he's happily changing in and out of his symbiote form, symbiote, symbiote, uh, in full view of people in public, in full view of the police, when the entire thing is over at the end... How come the police haven't picked him up for these random murders and beheadings that are all over San Francisco now? Clearly everyone's just bad at their job. But I have to say though, I really like action, but don't you think that the big action scenes and the CGI in the film are just not great? There was no tension, little to no suspense. It was just a big yawn fest, really. The audiences that I were with, they really liked the humour, laughter all around. But as soon as the action scene started, th- there's two big ones. I mean, there's uh, a very prolonged chase through San Francisco on a motorbike. And there's the final fight scene on this rocket with you know fire and the two, two symbiotes going at it. Um, when those action scenes happened, I did notice phones being checked a lot more often. Yeah, I mean, the action scenes were really just noise, no stakes. So what's your final verdict? I would not see it again. But I mean, it's, if you've really got nothing better to do, it's, it's something to watch. I really hope they've learned the lesson. I, I, I want to know the oral history of how this film came about. Um, and I do hope that if they're going to get a sequel, I want it to be like that end credit scene. I think there's hope in this thing. But this particular film, I, I'm certainly not going for a third one. Anyway. Da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. So that's in the cinemas at the moment, of course, uh, but there are other things to watch as well. So Anne, what has captured your eye recently? It's the projector screening of Blow Up, uh, a 1966 film by Michelangelo Antonioni. It's about a fashion photographer played by the beautiful David Hemmings, who takes a series of candid and clandestine photos of a mysterious beauty in the park. So looking back on the photos, he's convinced that a murder is taking place in the background of the images. Yeah, he then goes on a journey both in person and in his dark room to zoom into the moment of the murder to attempt to make sense of what he thinks he might have seen. 
It's an almost surreal, very um, swinging 60s and really not at all easy to digest film, but the visuals are absolutely stunning and you can totally see why this was a cult film and so defining of its time. Uh, David Hemmings really was the man back then. When I first saw Blow Up, I really wanted to be a photographer. It really made me, I was like, yeah, that's the life. My choice is a film, if you're still able to catch it, is really ending its run at the moment. Uh, it's Searching. It's a missing person drama played out through the conceit of everything happening within the windows of a desktop. So it means uh, if you can get past people always FaceTiming themselves, you're in for a really good time. It's a really good film, and it's a really good performance by John Cho. You'll know him from Harold and Kumar and Star Trek. He plays the distraught dad desperately searching for his daughter. Uh, and if you're a parent of teens or soon to be teens, this could be like a horror film because you are going to want to find out what your kids are really like when you're not there. Uh, and if you're a teen and your parents see this, you should also be afraid because your parents are going to be asking a lot more awkward questions about what you're doing when they're not there. Uh, the really good thing about it is that I did not guess the ending, which is rare and beautiful in this day and age. There's nothing worse than having to wait for a film to catch up to your conclusion and then act all clever whilst you're just left rolling your eyes. So if you can catch it before it completely disappears from cinemas, go seek out searching. Well, there's plenty to feast your eyes on there. Who says we don't give you choices? Thank you for joining me, Sue Thank you. And do join us again next time for Double Feature. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.